Hi, my name is Jasmine Gallego with the Georgetown Public Policy Podcast. I am happy to bring you another episode on health policy. We are here today with Aliyah Batia from Vote ER, and I'm excited to talk to you a little bit about the intersection between democracy and health. Absolutely. And Hoya Saxa, Jaslyn, uh, it's such a treat to be with you and with the Georgetown community here. Uh, I'm Olia Bhatia. I'm the executive director of an organization called Vote ER, and I'm also an alum of the School of Foreign Service. Uh, and back when I was there, I remember distinctly in my comparative politics course uh, being taught about how to make sure that democracy can function effectively in a way that the ser serves the needs of the people. And I'm grateful to be in a role that lets me work on that each and every day through a touch point that we're all very familiar with, which is our health system and our relationship with our health professionals. That's effectively what VODR does. We create touch points for voter access all across the healthcare delivery system, working with doctors, nurses, social workers, techs, you name it, we work with them across the entire health ecosystem to help make sure that our patients are able to vote. That is amazing. Can you tell us about how VODR got started? Yes, and I'll share both how VODR got started and how I how I got lucky enough to stumble into this work as well. Uh, our founder is an ER doctor based in, in Boston, and one evening he was working an overnight shift and a family landed up in the ER uh, that was homeless, and he was trying to help them secure housing. And it turned out that the, the most efficient way to get them to housing was to prove their residency and that the easiest way to do that in that context was to demonstrate that through a voter registration. At that time, the founder was like, wait a second, we can leverage spaces like health spaces and these great relationships we have with our patients to support with voter registration. And from there, he developed the idea to make that a part of how we think about our health touch points with, with our patients. So he got started on that, uh, went on a journey in 2019 to really get that up and running. And then in December of 2019 is when my part of the story started. Uh, I was in Atlanta, Georgia, my hometown. I was with the um, uh, program that does leadership development. And part of what we had to do as part of the program was go on a ride along with uh, fire, uh, police, and then emergency medical services. So I show up for my emergency medical services ride along. And uh, I go on this ride along through different parts of Atlanta, we're seeing different ways in which the social determinants of health are manifesting in people's lives, right? They're responding to homelessness, food insecurity, changes in insurance that create emergency situations. And I'm sitting here overwhelmed by all these things that uh, this EMS manager is navigating. So at the end of the, the visit, I turn to him and I say, if you could only change one thing, what's the one thing you would change? And his response really surprised me. My background is in other areas of social policy, including education and housing. I thought he was going to name one of those. And instead he said, Aliyah, I wish all my patients voted. If all my patients voted, then locally elected officials would invest at higher levels in things like housing affordability, jobs training, making sure there were grocery stores in every neighborhood. And when I needed to get somebody an ambulance, I would have the money to do so on time. A month later, I hear about this ER doctor in Boston and this organization Vote ER. 
And it was total serendipity that those two things happened in sequence. And I hopped on board with VoDR and had the incredible opportunity to be part of its growth in 2020 and to now serve as executive director. Wow, that is incredible. Thank you so much for sharing that story. I find that super duper interesting. As you know, I previously worked for one of OER's partners, Vote Riders, and I did see some of that intersectionality as you were talking about housing and the need to get folks involved. And when people turn out to vote, their elected officials pay attention and ensure that the community has what it needs in order to function at its fullest. And a lot of that goes back into our public health system. And it's really important for us to know that that is just very, very profound when we think about the way that we can go ahead and respond to what's going on isn't just a one-fold solution. It includes the entire policy realm and voting is one of the greatest solutions that we can really throw at there. Wow. Um, do you have any interesting stories from healthcare professionals that you have partnered with with VoteR? I know that you do lots of work with all sorts of healthcare professionals and empowering them to register patients to vote. It sounds like that was one really empowering story was you hearing firsthand someone saying one solution to this health crisis would be if people voted because then we would have more resources at our disposal. Have you seen anything else uh, from a person-to-person -person story that has really kind of opened your eyes a little bit? A couple of stories I wanna share. I wanna start with a nurse in Athens, Georgia, who's a longtime uh, member of the Bodiar community. Uh, she builds this into what's called the social history. So when she's asking about, uh, do you smoke? Do you drink? How often do you drink? Are you safe at home? Do you wear your seatbelt? Are you registered to vote? She puts it straight into that conversation with patients as a reminder to help emphasize for them that link between their vote and their health and their ability to take action and have agency over the things that they're doing. I think another really fun example is uh, Dr. Peggy Stager, who's a, a pediatrician in Ohio, also similarly asks a lot of her patients in that social history. Uh, and because she's a pediatrician, there's an evergreen opportunity to talk about voting. When somebody turns 18, there are things changing about their body, changing about their lives. And another thing that is changing is their ability to have access to the power to be able to shift the systems around them. And so that's how a lot of our pediatricians treat that conversation. You're growing and evolving both in your body and in your health as becoming an adult. And you also now have this new power, which is voting. Please go ahead and register to vote. So it becomes a year round thing that our pediatricians can ask as their patients get older um, and enter into the 16, 17 pre-registration period or the 18 voter registration period. Uh, and they can ask regardless of whether an election is coming up or not. It's just a rite of passage at age 18. And then the third example I wanna give is Last year, the National Medical Association, which is the Association of Black Physicians, along with the Latino Medical Student Association, got together and helped put together a coalition of organizations to pass a resolution through the American Medical Association around voting as a determinant of health. And that resolution has really opened the door for more and more organizations to get on board with this work and to advance it and push it forwards. I think at VoteR, what we're really proud of is that while we are enablers of the work, the real people who are actually getting this done are health professionals from all different backgrounds who are seeing a need in their communities for patients to have more power. And they are the ones taking this forward, whether it's at the individual level with an individual patient or at the policy level with resolutions like the American Medical Association. 
Right. And also what I've heard from the ER from one of your presentations is that this works. It has been proven to increase healthier communities, the communities where you're present at. And you have noted that there is a high voter turnout, have seen improvements in their health. So I think that's really interesting. Um, and it's really powerful that these healthcare professionals that have this patient relationship are able to utilize that to then empower a voter to go ahead and change the system. Um, as we know, it's a multifaceted approach to the solutions of both public health and democracy. And I feel like that's very important in my work at Vote Writers. I saw that we were helping folks get their IDs to be able to get out and vote. But ultimately, they were coming to us because they need that ID for either housing or to go to the doctor. So these are all very intertwined things to be able to make sure that we're empowering the community to later have a better outcome. Jaslyn, I love how you point out the interconnectedness there, uh, because in our partnership with Vote Writers, one of the things that we would do is uh, have a link to the Vote Writers chat support because sometimes the thing that a person needs when they're registering to vote is coaching about how to navigate the voter ID issues. And so just in the same way that the ID component can help people get health, there's also an element of our health professionals can point people to resources like vote writers to help them get an ID so that they can then complete the process of voting. And it's really beautiful, that mutual reinforcement. Absolutely. That coalition building collaboration is so necessary. And I love seeing nonprofits be able to fill that space in communities where it's needed and be able to really bridge that gap in access. Is there a major obstacle that VOER has identified as a barrier to either voting access or healthier communities? Jeslyn, when we talk about Voter access in the U.S. Uh, the United States does require voter registration before you can vote. And over time, through systems and policies like the National Voter Registration Act, the most common place to do that voter registration is the Department of Motor Vehicles. Now, I want you to think for a second. Uh, I'd be curious if you drive. I, I do when I am in Atlanta. I do drive. I only go to a DMV about once every 10 years. So don't go very often. I don't know the name of the person I would see at the DMV, and I'm usually trying to get out of the DMV as soon as I get there. When you think about that, what that means is that the, the places that we are registering people to vote are highly impersonal in a lot of ways, and also that they're probably not reaching people who don't have driver's license or don't are not able to access drive, driving and driver's licenses. So there are a, a whole swath of the population who the DMVs are, are missing out on. And also, it's not an effective way to keep our voter rolls up to date, given how frequently people are moving these days. And imagine, in the lens that VoteR comes from, imagine that if we could help prepare people to vote in touch points that are more frequent, that are more personal to you. And one of those is the work that VoteR directly does, which is around hospitals and clinics, uh, and also, you know, hospitals and clinics have other things that they're doing too. They're providing people's health and whatnot. And so we want to make sure that we're not overburdening any one system in this work. And how can we go upstream and make sure that voter access happens uh, even sooner in the system beyond those individual touch points? So what if we could go upstream of some of these spaces, like the DMV, right? Upstream of even your clinic or hospital. What if we could get to people earlier in the process? Imagine if when you go to potentially enroll at healthcare.gov for insurance, if you're somebody where uh, uh, your employer insurance is not an option for you or there isn't employer insurance, if you're one of those folks, you may also be one of those folks who's not frequently at a DMV or, or doesn't have access to the DMV as a way to register to vote. 
And what if a space like healthcare.gov could prompt you to register to vote as well? And just imagine how powerful that would be and who we could reach and encourage to vote by layering a very simple question into the Federal Health Insurance Exchange. So at VoteER, we try and think about our work as through the lens of the importance of the link between voting and health. But what we ultimately want to make sure to do is to make sure that the systems themselves are making this easier, that we're making this simpler throughout the whole process and creating policies and systems that do that. Absolutely, I agree. It's really important that you pointed out systems that already exist, like motor voter states where for example, the state of Florida, you can go to the DMV and register to vote as you get your license or your ID. And in those states, you would think, okay, that covers everyone. But it's very important that you also pointed out where that gap lies and that not everyone is getting through those state agencies like the DMV. And those are likely the people that this system and this issue of health and democracy is really missing at this moment. And so we need to be able to get to the people that are not getting through the typical ways that the state is already targeting people to vote, such as a DMV. And those are the people that already can't afford their ID or license because of the cost of supporting documents like birth certificates, marriage certificates, or lack of transportation. And those are the same demographics of people that are more at risk for health issues and that, of course, is more of the reason why we need to think about a more strategic targeting process. So I absolutely love that you pointed that out. Is there anything that VODR is currently working on for 2023 that you would like to share? We are working on a lot of cool things for 2023. Uh, so just right now, this spring, we are in the process of our social work, healthy democracy campaign. Uh, so one of the things that we do is work very closely with health professional students, including particularly social work students and medical students around really getting their institutions invested in voter access and health and really helping sure that their classmates as well as their those who they serve are also able to register to vote through that process. And so in March, we do our social work, healthy democracy campaign. And then in August, we do a broader uh, multidisciplinary healthy democracy campaign uh, that emphasizes more the medical school approach, uh, but also incorporates other health professional schools. We're really, really excited for that. It's a program that has grown over time and that has helped us do a lot of really incredible work uh, in health professional organizations um, and really deepen our relationship with a lot of those institutions. Another big thing that's going on is uh, we every year run a civic health fellowship, which is an opportunity for health professionals to learn how to engage in community organizing techniques in order to advance voter access in their health professional spaces and in their communities. And that is led by a Nobel Peace Prize nominated faculty um, helped overthrow Milosevic and is a really incredible six month program. And then a third thing is that, you know, we are gearing up for what are a number of state and local elections uh, across the country and our, our sort of kickoff for any fall elections will be August, which we uh, celebrate as Civic Health Month. In a time when health professionals can really embrace this link between voting and health, and that's when we work particularly with our partners like Vote Writers and other voter access organizations to be able to, to bring these pieces together around voting and health and really demonstrating that impact uh, and, and uh, collaboration. Wow, that's awesome. I love seeing that there is so much going on with OER and that there are a lot of places that folks can really plug in. So it sounds like there might be some room for us to volunteer and get plugged in with VoteER. Can you tell us a little bit more about how we can get involved? For those of you listening who are health professionals or who know a health professional, 
VoteER.org slash badge is a place where you can get a very simple lanyard and badge that supports with voter registration. What this will do is it'll allow you to have conversations with patients about voter registration or getting their mail-in ballot or just about upcoming elections and getting information about it in a really seamless and simple way. And in a way that that helps get new people into the into the democratic process. And we encourage you to get your friends who are in the health professions, whether they are a social worker, a nurse, a doctor, get them involved in that work. It's a really simple way to get involved in our organization. We also have a number of uh, summits as well as uh, other events and opportunities for folks who may be adjacent to the health spaces to get involved. And then for organizations that work within the, the broader health ecosystem, Civic Health Month is an excellent way to get involved where we provide supportive tools to get employees registered to vote and prepared for upcoming elections and where we work through best practices for how to ensure that that organization can uplift that link uh, between voting and health. One thing that I'm just wondering if you want to touch on a little bit more um, is the social determinant of health factor. I feel like we touched on it a little bit, but I wonder if we can like kind of go into a more um, macro view of why filling the gaps matters in regards to, um, I guess, public health and democracy. Absolutely. I'm so glad that, that we get to dive into this question. You you heard the story of the, the emergency medical services manager I wrote along with, and you've heard now the stories of some of the other health professionals um, who see this day in and day out in their work. But let's back up to the evidence. We see the evidence around the link between voting and health at the global, national, state, and local level. What we see at the global level is that there's both a correlation between sort of democratic involvement and health outcomes, but that we can also zoom in on some countries where we've seen very specific transitions and measure that impact on health. And one example is in Brazil, they used to have an all-paper voting system. Now, I want you to think in your mind, all-paper voting system, where there were hundreds of candidates to choose from, and you had to vote by writing a person's name legibly on a ballot. I want you to think about who that leaves out of the process. What would happen is that people would come and vote and then many of their ballots would get tossed out because they were not legible and their voice would not be counted or be accountable for in the democratic process. One fine day, Brazil figures out it's gonna switch over to electronic voting, which is gonna completely change the way that people can, can vote and cast their ballot. There's just one problem. It is expensive to make this transition. And so what do they do? They say, all right, communities that are slightly bigger, y'all are going to get this technology first, we'll pilot it with you, and then everybody else will get it in the next round of elections. Well, for social scientists, that creates a really wonderful natural experiment. And what they did is they looked at the communities just above the cutoff for the new technology and just below the cutoff and looked at the impact of having voting technology on the number of ballots that were counted. And what you find is that there's this huge reduction in the number of ballots that get tossed out as illegible because literally you're picking a photo on a page and hitting enter. Your ballot is cast in the moment of actually casting your vote. In doing that, what they were also able to look at is as we see these, these cities and places where they're using electronic voting, is there a shift in policy? And you see the investment in public health go up by a third and you actually see improvement in maternal and infant health in the differences between those that got this first and got it later. There's that gap there where you see this, this sudden change in the quality of health and the attention that these uh, politicians are paying to the very folks who are most marginalized by health systems. So that's the global example. When you zoom into the US, 
You can look at a, a bit of work that was done by our partners, Healthy Democracy, Healthy People, and you can see their Health and Democracy Index, which shows this correlation between voting and health based off of state. And then when you zoom down to the local level, there are researchers who have looked at the relationship between turnout and the amount that we're investing in some of these social determinants of health, including, including housing, public health, education, and the like. And as more people from more diverse segments of society turn out at these local elections, it turns out that that emergency medical service person was right, that your local politicians therefore invest in things that they otherwise would not invest in with money they otherwise would not put in as a part of making sure that they can get that voter back the next time around. So we see it at all levels. And then of course, there's also just to name, there's also that individual relationship that we see this correlation individually between voting and health. And also I wanna name that there are systemic factors as well that we can track through that process. Awesome. So it sounds like what I'm hearing is that there is a case that there is a global and domestic um, proof here that your voice actually does matter and that when you use it and you engage in your electoral process, that one person could indeed spark a change and get their community involved. And once you get your community involved, that sparks a chain reaction and that change really does happen. That's awesome. Is there anything else that you want to share with us that you didn't get the opportunity to share yet? Jaslyn, this is the moment. When we look back at the history of the world, frankly, people are going to look back at this moment where everyone was wrestling with the question of the fragility of our democracy. And what we have an opportunity to do is to demonstrate that when we connect democracy with real life outcomes for people, when we create that connection, both in, in our minds and the narrative, as well as in how we reach people around voting, that is the way that we get towards stronger, healthier democracies, not just in the US, but across the globe. We have over the last few years seen new dynamics and threats to democracy that we are struggling with how to handle. And at the crux of a lot of those different pieces is the level of trust that we have in our democratic systems. At VoteR, we can only do the part of the work that can be done through the healthcare system, but we also want to honor and acknowledge that healthcare professionals are amongst the most trusted professionals in America. Nurses have been the most trusted profession for the last two decades. Doctors and pharmacists are in the top four. We cannot realize a re-envisioned American democracy without including the health sector, one of the biggest sectors, and without ensuring that the voices of uh, those who are so trusted by their patients are incorporated in the process. And I truly believe that if we can sustain the work of many organizations across many sectors, that we'll look back at this moment and be able to see how people's ability to connect their political power with their quality of life became a catalyst for a new vision and a new direction for democracy globally. Wow, that's very profound how the credibility of those in the healthcare workforce can really be used as this duty to be able to carry on the civic duty that you have uh, as an American and to hopefully be able to create a better world for yourself for the future. That's amazing. Um, thank you so much for joining us for the Georgetown Public Policy Review podcast. I definitely feel like my personal passions for 
health and democracy have deepened through this conversation and feel that we all have a sense of personal duty to ensure that we fulfill our part in making sure that our communities are healthier and that our democracies are stronger. And are they are very much entwined as we learn more and more. So I'm very um, glad that we had this conversation. How can we stay up to date with VoteER? Do you have social media handles? Can we follow your website? Tell us about how we can stay up to date with you. Absolutely. We are on uh, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. And then in addition, we also have a newsletter that you can sign up for at VoteER.org. And we look forward to folks being part of, of that incredible community and making magic happen as a result. Amazing. I will definitely be following the VoteER newsletter and be looking up um, all the events and good things that are coming for the future. So I hope to stay involved. Awesome. Thank you so much for being with us, Leah.